Welcome to Cole Sports. You have entered the zone called sports on another level. And now, here's your host, Cole Johnson. Cole Sports! I am that man, your man, the illustrious tour guide, Cole Johnson, and Cole Sports is back! In this episode, we're going to touch a little bit on basically baseball happenings and shenanigans. We're also going to deal a little bit with the NFL as well. I'm going to go in and have your adult of the week, all encased in a wonderful little bow and a package. But for right now, headlines, please. Dateline Pittsburgh. So a wonderful week by the Cubbies, bookmarked by on Sunday, having a scenario where they were down three to nothing to the Nationals. Bases loaded, two outs, two strikes in the bottom of the ninth, and a grand slam was smashed, dead center field. Friday, we had a one nothing victory over the Pirates, with the Cubs turning not one, not two, three, four, five, or six, seven double plays in the game. Cubs manager Joe Madden had this to say. Quote, you don't normally see that. I don't remember anything like that. Close quote. Well, it's because it rarely has ever happened. That's why you have it. Dateline Oakland. Don't look now, Astros fan. Don't look behind you because it looks like the A's are just this close to nipping at the heels of the defending world champs. With a 4-3 victory in Oakland after 10 innings, it looks as though the ailing Astros are hurting a little bit too much to stave off the A's and the Mariners charging from behind to get them and to surpass them. Many injuries seem to be curtailing their efforts to, well, maintain the crown on their head. Matt Olson, who hit the leadoff homer to give him that 4-3 victory, had this to say about his team going into now the stretch drive. Quote, We've known that we're a capable team. We are a very good team all along. We knew it going into the year that we were going to have a chance to make a run. So glad to finally get a little recognition for it. And when we go out and win games like that, people are looking at us a little bit. Close quote. Well, I have to say the people who are looking at you real closely now happen to reside in Space City. H Tan, you got to heal up quick because it looks like you got two contenders that are willing to knock you off that AL West perch. These last six weeks are going to be nail biters for you. Dateline St. Louis. Brooks Copa, who is on fire, he's won his third major in golf. He seems to be running, well, with confidence. But the talk wasn't about Brooks getting his PGA Championship. No, 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 no. It was about the guy wearing the blood red polo shirt and the black Nike fitted charging up the hill on a Sunday on a golf course. It looks like we are seeing Eldridge Tiger Woods returning. Tiger's back. Now, is he all the way back? Not yet. And not quite. You have to give him credit. He finished a few shots off in the British Open after he charged furiously the Saturday of that tournament and getting to where in the back nine on Sunday, he actually had the course lead. 
Then in the PJ Championship, he was step for step, stride for stride, shot for shot with Copa. But it looks like the double bogey on the first hole and the bogey in the second hole spelled the difference between Tiger being second and Tiger being a champ in this tournament. The one shining thing that I believe I take away from this tournament was Tiger always had this understanding of, quote, second place sucks. Close quote. But in the post game (laughs) press conference, he seemed to actually enjoy being where he is. I think he now has looked at his career, seen what he's accomplished, knowing the depths that he's sunk to. And I think he's looking at life, forget golf, life, in a much better, much broader, much more mature perspective. In fact, he actually commented that the joy that he now has is he gets the chance to have his son and daughter look at Tiger the way we saw him back in 2000 when he was going for the Tiger Slam. I believe in eight months, we will see number 15 hoisted high and he'll put on that green jacket because to me, the Masters is the best tournament for him. Dateline, New York. Houston Rockets general manager, Daryl Morey. Well, let's just say he has colorful comments about the game of basketball in general, but he really has some colorful comments in this instance when he was a guest on the Dan Patrick show. Now, he said to Dan about the greatest of all time being LeBron James and not Michael Jordan or Kareem or any other player. Quote. You look at his ability to generate wins and championship probability over time, and you basically break that down. You don't need all the numbers. You can watch as well and see that. But if you basically isolate that, And also look at the career he's had. Frankly, I think that at this point, it's become a bit of a big margin, actually, where he comes out ahead. I know that's a little controversial. Close quote. Well, yeah, that's a little bit controversial. But I think what VIP, I think what you need to understand is that Maury is the type of person who drafts players on numbers and statistics and analytics. And he doesn't watch any games. So how can you comment on players when you admit that you don't even watch the product? (sighs) That's why you get a for your who's the goat answer. Dateline the Internet. Uh Uh-oh. So Gabrielle Union posted this wonderful picture of herself on vacation with, of course, D. Wade, her husband. And Timberwolves forward Jimmy Butler had to comment on it. So he slid on her page and he commented on the picture saying, quote, well, close quote. D-Wade didn't take that all too lightly and did definitely did not take it lying down because he had this to opine in return. Quote. Put well in caps on my wife's photo again, and you're going to see what the good, the bad, and the ugly is like. Close quote. Well, Jimmy, he had to clap back, and his clap back was, quote, the good, the bad, and the ugly, a.k.a. at A.O. Mike. 
close quote. Cheering, cheering, cheering. Look, I think I think part of it is trolling. Part of it is immaturity, because for those who for you uh, VIP, if you don't understand this relationship between Wade and Butler, two of them, along with Gabrielle Union, they play poker often. So it could be sort of like a brotherly love type of thing. But I put this in the same category as with Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo Ball. You can't put that type of stuff out in in the open because one of these days, if it is a joke, it will be misinterpreted as something serious. And then you all are going to be wondering, well, we were boys. Why did it go left all of a sudden? Comments like this. That's why it would go left. Dateline Los Angeles. Kobe Bean Bryant. Now, he's been talked about with NBA fan in terms of, of course, LeBron being out in L.A. and this unfair and ridiculous comparison of, well, Kobe may be supplanted as the greatest Laker of all time. Well, Kobe has never been the greatest Laker and won't ever be that because the person who was in charge of running operations of the team is the greatest Laker of all time, Irvin Magic Johnson. I digress. I'm giving... Mr. Bryant his props because he already showed off his creative acumen in Dear Basketball, the animation that ended up winning him an Oscar back in March. And now five months later, investments that he has placed starting in 2014 of $6 million to a sports drink, Body Armor, is now yielding a return to him of $200 million. Sir, I never know this. Yeah, two hundred million dollar, 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 dollar. Yes, the basketball great, future Hall of Famer, looks as though he is trying to follow in the footsteps of Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan, and looks like he wants to say to LeBron, "Well, hold up now. You may be well versed in being an elite basketball player with a business mind." But you're not the only one in this era, my man. I can do it too. And the fact that Brian is doing it in different lanes is showing the diversity of this guy. And of course, this comes from a person who learned Italian when he was in Italy and learned to embrace soccer probably as quick and as much as he does basketball. I hear stories like this. I just have to big up the guy. Kobe continues success, man. And I, I, I'm just, I'm just in awe. I, I mean, your retirement is in, so far is enviable between guys like you and Martellus Bennett, who are showing that you can have creative ventures outside of the sport that you choose to actually ply your trade and that you can have a life after basketball that is maybe richer than when you played it. That's what life is all about. And I'm glad that you actually have that ability to just grab that bull by the horns and run with it. Keep running, my man, keep running. Cause I look forward to seeing what is next on your portfolio of life. Dateline Bristol. From USA Today, new ESPN president Jimmy Pitaro says that they're not going to televise the national anthem for the coming season. Well, to be quite honest and quite fair, ESPN rarely ever televised the national anthem. The only times I can remember them doing so would be probably what, opening Monday night and even then those are rare I mean with all due respect you you gotta have Hank Williams Jr. sing are you ready for some football you can't have that usurped by the national anthem but of course it's a statement of that not being shown not because well they want to get a jingle off you know for all my variety friends to hear from Monday night no 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 
It's about the mislabeled National Anthem Protest. I will tell you the real name of it in the next segment. But it is for that reason. I just have to laugh at it because I'm thinking, well, I don't know why you all were televising it in the first place. Big whoop. When I return, oh, I'm about to debut this segment on Cold Sports because I'm about to go Sports, Cole Johnson is here, and I'm going to debut a new segment, and I'm going to debut a few segments along the way in this revamp of this show. This is going to talk about the issue that has been plaguing the NFL. Now, we could talk about Darius Geis getting injured for the year, talk about how good Baker Mayfield is looking for the Browns, how good Sam Darnold's looking for the Jets, the fact that the Patriots still having uh, injury issues talk about how cam newton stepped up to kelvin benjamin in the comments that he made toward the quarterback and not being accurate all of those things can be talked about but they are all being overshadowed by a decision that the nfl made in may to have a national anthem policy and now it's been upheld and they're talking with the uh, NFL Players Association as to how they're going to go about what they're going to do. Yet the protest still, of course, still exists. I'm setting that up because in the backdrop, quietly as it's being kept, Kyle Kaepernick is suing the NFL for collusion. And Denver Broncos Hall of Famer and general manager John Elway was brought in the deposition to give his statement on if he colluded with Kaepernick being in the NFL. I'm going to talk about that. As I go in. All right. So Elway says that he offered Kaepernick a contract. He offered him a contract. Kaepernick didn't sign. Uh Uh-oh, Lucy, you got some explaining, Dodo. (laughs) Yes, but Kaepernick is not the one that needs to have the explanation come from him. No, the person who put that forth needs to talk again. Why? Because he needs to clarify why he would put forth such an erroneous statement. Check this. Peep this. For those who are not up to the timeline of one Colin Kaepernick in 2016 he started the year third string he ended the year as the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers he was playing he was on a team so it wasn't that Elway offered or the Broncos offered Kaepernick a contract and he was a free agent no 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 no. he had to reach out to the 49ers and do a trade and the trade didn't fall through. I mean, and the trade didn't happen. It all fell through. See, that's a wee bit different than saying, well, you know, in free agency, we offered him a contract 
and he turned them down, much like how Des Bryant did the Baltimore Ravens. Now, if you're talking about that instance, then you have a point, Elway, but you don't. You see, because when Kaepernick decided to forego his final year of his contract with the 49ers and he became an unrestricted free agent in doing so, from then to now, no contracts have been offered to him. And that started in what? March of 2017. He was a property of the San Francisco 49ers in 2016. So stop misleading the public and saying that you offered this man a contract when you didn't. You had trade feelers out. You tried for a trade. You put forth some some documentation. You put forth some numbers. You slid it into the face of the 49ers. And Kaepernick probably returned it with the 49ers saying... No, I'm worth more than that. Or at least I perceive myself as worth more than that. You see how this scenario was getting painted. You know, follow this bouncing ball for a minute. This is the same guy who he first sat and then knelt during the national anthem because he and his heart. And this was, of course, on the heels of Alton Sterling in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and Philando Castile in Minneapolis. Two guys who were gunned down by officers for no reason whatsoever. And you all could say, well, both brandished a gun. Uh, neither brandished a gun. Sterling had a gun on him, but he did not draw it. Castile had a gun on him, but he warned the officer, as a driver should, <laughs> to a police officer. I'm telling you now, I am a licensed gun carrier i'm reaching for my gun license and for that he receives bullet holes in it you see Kaepernick was kneeling for that and for incidents like what happened with the nba's sterling brown in milwaukee when he was tased by police officers because he parked in a handicap zone when tasing wasn't necessary he wasn't being combative with police officers no he was being complicit with them Yet he still received electric shocks in him. Here's the bouncing ball that I want you to follow. Kaepernick and other players in the NFL knelt and now still kneel for systemic oppression and police brutality reasons. This is a systemic oppression protest that they are peacefully staging during the national anthem. However, it has gotten painted as a national anthem protest as if they have an issue with the singer or the song or the re or, or the reason why they do it in the first place, which I have an issue with it because it's being done as a two minute commercial paid for, paid for by the armed services. So I have a problem with that. But beyond that, it isn't about the national anthem. It is about systemic oppression, period. End of story. No other points need to be made so when i hear an opposing side say well it's disrespecting the flag it's disrespecting the anthem it's disrespecting the military it's doing none of the above it doesn't disrespect the flag because the flag is a symbol it isn't like jesus that we're supposed to bow in front of or the lord that we're supposed to bow in front of we don't do that then we're disrespecting something but we're not disrespecting anything when it comes to the flag it is a symbol not disrespecting the song because the song is about freedom because that's what America supposedly is about, right? Freedom. 
And it's not disrespecting the military because, well, I'm a military, I'm a military vet myself. My colleagues and I fought on the battlefield for the right for every American to exercise their constitutional rights. And one of them just so happens to be freedom to peacefully protest. If you don't believe me, look it up. First Amendment. That's one of the tenets of the First Amendment to the Constitution. It's there. Black and white, literally. But you have to understand the NFL, the ownership, and dare say the management just a little below ownership toes a conservative line. And they are all shook by President Trump, who is still a little salty, still has a little salt in his mouth for being denied being an NFL owner for the Bills and also for only receiving $3.86 from the NFL when he was a USFL owner and he sued the NFL for an antitrust suit way back in 1986. A check he still, to this day, 28 years later, because the $3.86 check was cashed in 1990, or I should say it was issued in 1990. That check, 28 years later, still has not been cashed. Holding grudges much? So you got the owners who are holding this. This institution is being spat on. And yes, we're going to talk a little bit later about why I ultimately believe what it's about in another segment about another issue. But you'll see you'll still see the same same scenario play itself. You cannot blackball, castigate, ostracize this person because it suits you. You cannot lie, Elway, or brandish your own truth. The truth is this man was property of the 49ers when you offered him a contract. But from March of last year to now, you didn't offer him one. No NFL team offered him any. Because you had teams who were barely wanting to offer him tryouts. (laughs) They offered Johnny Manziel tryouts a whole lot more often than they did Kaepernick. And now Manziel's off to the CFL throwing four interceptions in the first half of games. Yet this guy who led a team to a Super Bowl and led the team to within 20 yards of another Super Bowl trip is persona non grata. It, it definitely is not his play. It's got to be because of something else. And for you to say, well, we offered him a contract. He just didn't put his John Hancock on the, on the dotted line. It's disingenuous because it is when you offered him that contract. You didn't offer him the contract when he was an unrestricted free agent. You didn't offer him a contract at all. You arranged for a trade. That's a different thing and matter altogether. So here we are exactly two years later. And the same issue seems to have the same refrain and seems to have the same blockheadedness and seems to have the same result. Two sides digging their heels digging their heels to the point where now it's trenches. And no matter what one side says the other, it doesn't matter. The side that believes that the players are disrespecting the military and the flag and the anthem, they say that the players are unpatriotic and they're spoiled. And the people who support the players are saying, you all just simply are missing the boat because you're calling this a national anthem protest. And it's not. And neither side are hearing one another. This tone-deaf nature of the whole argument is getting ridiculous. And Elway saying that he offered 
Kaepernick a contract and he didn't sign it and didn't give everybody the details as to when he offered the contract and actually give false details because he didn't offer a contract. He offered a trade option. Is prime example of the tone deafness that I'm hearing. Whack. When I return, ah, you know that it can't be a cold sports show without this segment. Dolt of the week time. Next. <laughs> cold sports. to this segment oh i have to pull this one at because it was a little difficult to decide this one but i'm glad i have ladies and gentlemen the return of dolt of the week dolt of the week sponsored by nobody but we still are going to give it to you straight with no chaser the winner of this episode's Dota of the Week is... Miami Marlins pitcher, starting pitcher, I may add, Jose Urena. Why is he getting this award? It's as simple as a baseball. So after Robert Acuna was getting the better of Marlins pitching, Arena, I guess, felt as though he was showing up the pitching staff. And in the first inning, the first pitch of the bottom of the first happened to plunk Okuna to the point where he had to get medical attention and he was out the game. Now, I'll give you the particulars. Joe Torre, yes, the same Joe Torre who was the manager of the Braves and then the manager of the Yankees when they won their championships in the late 90s and early 2000s. Now he is the basically the disciplinarian person of the major leagues. Well, he offered a six-game suspension to Orena. Here is where I have the problem. That's only good for one start to a starting pitcher. You see, when you have pitchers who feel the need to use the baseball as a weapon, that is when you have issues, period. And I'm going to ask, what does it take? Because I think I know what it is going to take. You all are going to look at this a whole lot more seriously. When you have a pitcher throwing to a batter and he gets plunked, but it is not harmful enough to where it hurts him like it, like Arena's pitch did Okuna, you're going to have an instance. You're going to have a moment and you're going to have the time where a batter is going to get plunked by a ball wield the bat, charge the mound, and then start swinging at the pitcher. You're going to have this. In Major League Baseball, yes, I'm calling you out. Until you actually have 
the temerity, the wherewithal, and the stones to say, we're going to punish severely pitchers who throw at batters just for the mere sake of throwing at them, not because a pitch gets away from them, not because it just simply was a, a misfire. No, because you have to show up the show up the batter and you can't show them up because of the skill that you seem to lack in trying to get the batter out. And you don't take the other way out, which is intentionally walking the person. No, you plunk him. You plunk the batter. No, you don't need to have five or six game suspensions. No, no, no. You need to have like five or six start suspensions. Make it count to where they are going to miss a month of action. You know, like how you did Roberto Acuna, the pitcher now of the Astros. But when he was with the Blue Jays, he got a 75 game suspension. Similar to that. But he didn't do it because he plumped the person. He did it because of off the field issues. It's going to have to take that type of disciplinary action for these pitchers to stop throwing at batters because, well, they can't have a Jose Bautista moment where a pitch is taken 400 feet. Bautista flips the bat and just walks the first. Let them do that. You're dealing in a game where batters are considered elite if they get successfully on base three out of ten times. It would be different if the success rate was possibly 7 out of 10. But if a batter gets 300, he is considered one of the studs of the game. And that is a percentage of 30%. But pitchers can't have that. They can't they, they can't rest on the fact that if you're good, if you're good, you get out batters 70% of the time. That's if the batters are good. If the batters are mediocre, you get them out 7.5 to 8 out of 10 times. No. No, your thought process is, well, this chump showed us up. Okay, we got some fours behind. We're going to pluck him. The first chance I get of fastballs going right underneath his chin. So what? what is it going to take, really? Is it going to take like a Dickie Thon issue back in 1984 when this guy was on his way to being one of the best shortstops of the era, but his career was done for? When he received a ball, a 95, 96 mile an hour fastball that beamed his ear and he was no good for the rest of his career. Is it going to have to take that for y'all to say, well, we have to we have to whoa and and take a step back from this. We can't have this happen. Is it going to have to take that? Because if so, that's absolutely ridiculous. You can stop it now. Forget these slap on the wrist suspensions. No, make the pitcher think about it. Oh, well, if I throw at a pit, if I throw at a hitter and hit him intentionally, I might hurt my team and not pitch for a month. Do that. Put that on the books and then we won't have a, a, a Jose Arena. We won't have that type of situation. We won't have bench clearing, well, bench clearing brouhaha's and brawls. We won't have that happen. No, we will have simply a code that supposedly baseball players are supposed to uphold, but they don't. And these unwritten rules are going to get so many people hurt. You got to do better than this, Major League Baseball. And Arena, you definitely have to do better. You don't throw at a batter because you can't get him out. Or in your case, your pitchy staff can't. Because this was the bottom of the first inning when you plunked this guy. So it wasn't that he got a hold of you. It was, okay, we're going to send a message right now. It's time that someone sends a message to you, not to hurt you, not to physically hurt you, no. But to say that your mentality, 
and the mentality of many pitchers who seem to think that we need to show up batters and plunk them, it has to stop. And I don't care if people old school nature is saying, well, that's not baseball. I don't care. What is baseball is seeing the best compete against the best to get them out or to knock the ball out, not to hit the batter. If it is by accident, I get it. If it's on purpose, problem. That was on purpose. And that is a problem. When I come back, I got an issue, well, with a program and an institution. And upon further review. Coming up on next week's Cold Sports, we're going to deal with the ongoing preseason of the NFL. What's going on? What's going wrong? Will Des Bryant actually sign with the Cleveland Browns? Of course, I'm going to go in on the topic, give you the dose of the week, and have another Upon Further Review segment. Join me. That is for next week. For this week, though, what I just simply cannot understand, cannot ascertain, and I'm not going to excuse anymore. It's the simple fact that you got priorities mixed up. We're going to talk about that in relation to Ohio State University. I'm sorry, the Ohio State University. And upon further review. Assistant coach Zach Smith seems to have a colorful, interesting life. So he, of course, is on the hook for being rough with his wife, soon to be ex-wife now, Courtney Smith. And this all started back around 2013, I believe. His soon-to-be ex-wife alerted Ohio State's Urban Meyer, the head coach, around 2015. And of course, when this leaked out early this month, thoughts were, well, this is the end of the Ohio State University program as we know it. Urban Meyer is going to be gone. He's going to be fired because there's no way that he could sit on this for three years. And I remember saying, Ohio State is not going to fire this guy. In fact, I could see him still being on the sideline come 2018. He's too valuable to the program. And when I heard that it was a case of Meyer lying to the media, but actually being truthful and forthright going to Ohio State's upper crust during that time, I said, well, there you go. And that's why he's being paid leave, but he's going to return on sideline and he's going to, he's going to go onward and steer Ohio state to possibly yet another big 10 title, you know, or at least yet another big 10 championship game. 
and possibly another big bowl and possibly another trip to the national championship series. It just is going to happen again. Why? Because well, Ohio state is hot. It's, it's one of the, it's one of the two power programs right now going it's them and it's Alabama. Those two programs right now can't do any wrong when it comes to getting recruits and when it comes to the play on the field, because somehow, some way, even if they trip up during the season, they find themselves playing for national championships more often than not. The last five years, you can check it, both programs. What is bothersome to me, what is bothersome to me is what I alluded to about the NFL with the owners. It isn't about fair play. It is not about academics. I don't care how much smoke the NCAA, the National Collegiate Association of Athletes, I don't care what they tell you. I don't care what they tell you. It is about money. It's about how much a an organization can make. It's about how much an institution can make. And quite frankly, the Ohio State University makes the NCAA and its institution and its campus a lot of money come January. I mean, you, you can't have one of those stalwart programs and definitely one of the stalwart programs of today missing an action with the Big Ten Championship, missing an action with the Big Time Bowl, missing an action with a national semifinal appearance. And they cross their fingers and hope that they can get to a national championship game. You can't have Ohio State miss that. So, Urban Meyer, he's going to get away with a slap on the wrist. But let me give you a slight history lesson about Urban Meyer. This is the same man who, he's not just the head coach of Ohio State. He was the head coach of the University of Florida. During the time what he had as quarterback, Tim Tebow. Now, that's where that's where Tebow's got most of his love. And that's where Meyer got all of his love. Because not only did he have a quarterback that took him to two national championships there, but he had a quarterback that took him to two national championships and he could not be a nicer figure, could not be a better role model. And on top of that, he's Christian. I mean, that makes Urban Meyer wholesome, right? I mean, you can't have a Christian kid come to a, a, a thug you gotta have a Christian kid come to a guy who actually can see the beauty of this person leading his program right so Urban Meyer has to be good he has to be milk and cookies he has to be apple pie he has to be wholesome but on that same team he had Aaron Hernandez mm -hmm. the same late Aaron Hernandez who murdered later on the same one who unfortunately met his death in prison. The same one who was doing nefarious things while at Florida. So how wholesome is Urban Meyer? I will keep telling you VIP until I'm blue in the face. It is about money. It will always be about money. It has always been about money. It will continue to be about money. Because that's the that's the only thing, that's the only currency that matters 
to these programs, to these institutions, and to the men, and yes, I'm not saying women, to the men who control the purse strings of them. You're going to have situations like this and more. I mean, come on, let's go to let's go to Michigan State where you had a doctor who was practicing sexual harassment on the regular for decades. Yet it took till 2017 to figure out this guy was a slug. That this guy was a scum. The guy was doing this at the turn of last decade, not the turn of this one. Using his practice to feel up on gymnasts. Year after year after year after year. Went unchecked. Until last year. And his sentencing actually happened earlier this year. But Larry Izzo still on the bench. And Mike D'Antonio still on the sideline. And I can go down the list. Now, I, I've always said this, especially about football, but I definitely say football and ba- basketball. I really believe this doesn't happen unless and until you pay these players. You gotta pay them. You gotta pay them some sort of stipend and miss me with the, well, they already get paid because they have scholarships. No. No. You're seeing players, even with scholarships, still having a hard time making ends meet in college. And you're going to tell me that because they have the name on the front of their jersey, that their hard-earned sweat, work, work ethic, and, and tears are enough. To give them zero and bupkis, yet they can earn an institution millions of dollars. Miss me with the well, they get paid off of their scholarship mess. You're having these coaches, and it's not even head coaches now. You're having the assistant head coaches living high off the hog because they can draw million dollar contracts. Knowing it's not going to be disseminated further down to the players. And they can do whatever the heck they want. <laughs> Case in point with Zach Smith of Iowa State. Dude was bringing sex toys on campus. He actually had them in the offices of the Ohio State University campus. Sex toys. Sex toys. And you mean to tell me that. Players have to be held accountable. Hold these coaches accountable. Hold them accountable. Hold them accountable. Because obviously you can't you can't find any other way to hold hold these coaches accountable because you look the other way. Sexual abuse, you look the other way. Being freaky, you look the other way. University of Louisville, good example. Having escorts on the campus, you look the other way. Because all that matters is if you hold that crystal ball either in January or the net that you cut down in April. That's all that matters to these programs. And yes, not institutions of higher learning programs. That's all that matters to them. 
So you can have an assistant coach bashing the brain of his wife. You can have him be freaky and bring all sorts of things on campus, on campus. And not just on campus, in the offices of these campuses. Yeah, it's okay because we still need to get 11 wins in the next season. We still need to get 11 wins, maybe 12, so we can get into the bowl game that gets us to the national championship because it's about having that money in January. Scruples, morals, forget it. It's for those punk players that get nothing. Free room and board, fine, but that's all they get. Nah, we want that money. The NCAA, NFL to a degree too, corrupt. And this is a bleeding example of how the corruption infiltrates everything else. So if you want to do something, if you really want to do something, pay these players so that you will not build this godlike figure in your head coaches and now the untouchable assistant head coaches. Until you do that, all your programs are sunk, but you don't care about that. And you won't. Urban Meyer will be on the sideline. And it won't matter. Because people being hurt and people doing things they shouldn't never matters. Not to the NCAA, not to Ohio State University, and not to most of these big time programs. Shape up before the whole organization needs to ship out. like this episode or any episode you've heard thus far, come on now, subscribe either to Apple Podcasts or onto ColdSportsWithAZ.com. Hit that subscribe button, hit it. You'll get this and more. Check me out. And also, you can check me out on YouTube, on Instagram, on Facebook, that's ColdSportsWithAZ, on Twitter, that's colon score sports with a Z. and of course, ColdSportsWithAZ.com. That's where all the action is. And after all, I only want to do three simple things. I want you to tell a friend to tell a friend. Spread the word about this show and enjoy the content. For the Intelligent Sportsman, I am Cole Johnson. And this is... You've been listening to Cole Sports with Cole Johnson.